don't take the lead You always take the backseat You're always on the offbeat Well, I dare you to get out there And lay it on the line From zero to hero Now's your time to shine Hey everybody, welcome. We've got an interesting show today with a fortunately Dr. Brie Malebo, a friend of ours that for a long time has agreed to come back with a follow-up and a friend of ours, James Roguski, that I want to introduce to everybody. And together they've been doing incredible work for health freedom. And uh, I want to just read a short description of James's background and then we're going to get into it in more detail. We'll let him introduce himself. Uh, in respect of the work that's going on now. And what I picked up on the internet and seems to be pretty apropos, James Roguski is an author, researcher, activist, and natural health advocate. He specializes in researching highly complex issues and translating data into simple language that is easily understood but to facilitate action. And that's kind of a nice, concise summary of much more. And we want to get into uh, the work that they've done before and what's happening now and what what you need to know about to help with the work itself because this is all about your participate participation in the work to help it move forward so welcome reman james it's really a pleasure to have you here and the time's going to go fast so let's see what we want to cover and maybe uh just a little bit a couple of words about the work that you've been doing and then we'll get into present stuff so, James, you want to introduce yourself? I, I will certainly dive in. You know, it's very much less about me um, than it is about the material, and there's so much material. But um, I'm sixty, going to be 63 years old, and I'll just talk about the last year of my life because approximately a year ago, I discovered a document that uh, apparently was the portal into the rabbit hole where all of the WHO's turds are kept. And so uh, I've been reading their documents and watching their boring videos for the last year um, to try to do, as you said in the introduction, take all of that really, really complicated, you know, just verbose, um, not English, but a cross between legal ease and global ease. You can read their documents and it looks like English, but it isn't because all of their use of English words has, you know, a, a hidden meaning. Um, I've become pretty good at translating the way they talk into, you know, what it really means to people. And so um, that's part of the confusion. And so uh, to summarize it, I'll just throw a Molotov cocktail into the middle of this discussion. Um they're trying to kill, you know, the vast majority of people in the world. They're trying to put us uh, into a digital prison, and they're seeking to uh, negotiate uh, two very separate and confusing documents that would give them, you know, legally binding authority to make it all seem good. Right. And um, they need to be stopped. Mm. We need to exit the WHO. But first, we need to get people to understand what in the heck is going on? Because there's so much information out there. Um, it's easy to be distracted, you know, uh, by 
whatever the latest story is on the news, I always look for what the news is not reporting because that's what they don't want you to know. Right. Uh, Dr. Rima, I want to hear from you. And and most people, when they hear what James just said, uh, it's like the World Health Organization. Wow, that must be really authoritative. It must have our best interests in mind. It must be for the whole world. And it must be about health, so you can't question it. So what do you say to that? What I say is that everybody probably remembers the uh, wicked stepmother in Snow White. The wicked stepmother was regal. She was the queen. She was beautiful. She was admired. She admired herself, mirror, mirror on the wall, and she was admired by everyone else because of her apparent loveliness. But she held out the poisoned apple, if you remember, to Snow White and said, eat this, my darling, eat this, knowing that it would kill her. The parable, the parable is pretty close to exact. The World Health Organization is a wicked organization. It is an organization which was founded to do what it's attempting to do now, but it was presented in shining, glowing, beneficent, wise terms. If you look carefully at the World Health Organization, and its parent organization, the United Nations, you will see that what is unfolding now to the shock and horror and surprise of most people all over the world is precisely what these organizations were intended to do, which is take over the entire world, reduce the population to the neo-aristocrats at the top, their servants and servitors below them, their technicians below them, which is about 10% or less of the current world population, and kill, kill, that's K-I-L-L, kill everyone else. These are depopulationist monsters. They are not interested in your health. They are not interested in your welfare, and they are not interested in what serves your needs because you are, in essence, a cockroach in their kitchen. Now, those are very, very extreme words, but James, who is a detailed, precise, and gifted researcher, and I, who am uh, at least persistent if if uh if not as uh uh as much of those wonderful characteristics as james uh it, these are things that we have unearthed to our shock and our horror and we have been trying to alert people to take action to prevent their um wicked agenda their evil agenda from um from being enacted now we have to remember that these folks whom we should never call elite. We should never accord them that respect. Uh, I used to call them pond scum until I realized that pond scum has a place in the uh, ecosystem and that's a disservice to pond scum. Um, these, these despicable beings are empowered with massive funding because they print it when they need it. They are empowered with incredible communication skills because they own the media 
and they are empowered or they are um, freed of any conscience that would restrain the rest of us from doing the things that they want to do because they're psychopaths. So it's very hard for normal, decent people to understand that this is real. That doesn't mean that the perplexity of normal, decent people is accurate. So I've been telling people what James just said since 2004, actually since before that. And for a long time, people were saying, oh, you're crazy. You're insane, Dr. Rima, which is separate from whether I'm right. Mm-hmm. Now, more and more and more people are beginning to understand that what I have been saying for a very long time is exactly what these bad people want to do. In fact, I wrote a book called The Truth About Agenda 20 um, some years ago explaining this. And, you know, it, it's it's coming to the fore and people are understanding it. So the fact that it's been known for a long time and it's now blossoming into the light is is wonderful because we have the information and now the question is what do we do about it and that's what james and i have been working together as shoulder to shoulder colleagues along with other wonderful people around the world to elaborate and to um to make available to as many people as possible because spoiler alert the answer as I see it, is get your country out of the WHO and the United Nations and do it now if you wish to preserve your way of life, your your human rights, and your DNA. Real simple. I'd just like to add one little thing to that. Um, Up until just recently, this past year or so, there have been countless, you know, documents, proposals, um, just on and on and on, millions of words, probably. Um, we're now getting to where the rubber hits the road. And so what we're talking about are, could arguably, you know, be seen as the implementation of what had been looked at as proposals. And so what I've been doing for the last year is, quite frankly, very simple. Um, here's the evidence. Here are the documents on the WHO's website. There's a lot of words in there, and it looks like English, but it isn't. So, you know, let me just shine a light on what they are saying they want to do. I've been pointing to evidence for a year. You don't need to speculate. You don't need to have a theory. Okay. It's a freaking conspiracy. And the evidence is on their website. My opinion, my speculation, it's not relevant. You just have to read their documents. They're telling you what they are implementing or what they hope to implement. And our job is, you know, simply to raise awareness of it and have people come together and stop it because it's not proposals or ideas or theories or any such thing. These are the implementing documents in their own words. They want them to be legally binding. And they want to give the WHO authority um, to do a lot of very atrocious things. Uh, what, what James is saying is very, very important. And I'd like to add something. Can you hear me over the barking dogs? Yeah, okay, that's good. great. Um, 
it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't, oh, I don't believe that's true. Right. It's, it's not a matter for speculation. Read the documents. The only issue when you read the documents is what the words mean. Now, they, in, in the process. That's a big issue. Yes. In the mm-hmm. process of altering the language so that you think you're reading one thing and you're actually reading or hearing another, they, that's called jargonization. So they've created a special meaning for ordinary words that we have to understand. For instance, sustainability sounds like it means blue skies, green fields, cows lowing in the distance, and all of us having a lovely picnic on the grass on a spring day. Doesn't that sound like what sustainability would mean? I think that's what it normally would mean. Yeah. Normally it does. In fact, sustainability means you will own nothing and you will be happy. That's what sustainability means. So they've created a very specific language of deceit in the same way they've created a political process of deceit called the Delta process. And I've, I've written about this and so have many others. So the issue is what you're actually hearing. As James said, he's become really good at translating what they're articulating into what they actually mean, not based on speculation. So I am urging people to put aside their preconceptions about who's good and who's bad and how the world works and so on, and just look at the data. And we have a website where that works pretty well, and that's called PreventGenocide2030.org. Go there. Look at the documents that we've posted. Look at the information that they themselves, the bad guys, and they're bad, really bad, are putting out. And then decide if that's okay with you, if you want to be exterminated or enslaved. People have a negative reaction to being either exterminated or enslaved. And so the issue, as James said, is getting people alerted to what's going on and then doing something about it. Right. And, and your, to point, me, your point about changing the meaning of words is really critical because along with a general dumbing down policy that's been in place for a long time, uh, the words have been changed in the common meaning by repetition in the wrong context. For example, uh, James mentioned that this is just a flat-out conspiracy. Well, we've been taught as a prevention of understanding that, that first of all, conspiracy theory nullifies the truth of anything, if it can be called that. And secondly, that you don't have to say the full term conspiracy theory. You can just say conspiracy. And that also means something nonsensical. And I think people need to remember that the term conspiracy theory, I mean, the two words have existed in the English language for a really long time, but bringing them together happened on a particular day in a meeting called the Robinson Commission conducted by the CIA um, specifically to get people to discount the reality of unidentified flying objects, which the government of the United States knew perfectly well existed, but it sort of made it hard to get people to agree to spend billions of dollars on aerial defense systems when 
they were penetrated all the time. So the Robinson Commission met in 1966 specifically to invalidate the belief because they couldn't control the reality. And they created the term conspiracy theory and talked about how they were going to introduce it into society to nullify truth. Right. This and is that a very a, important little factoid. One of the first times that was actually needed and used and invented was because people thought that it wasn't just one person that shot President Kennedy. And so, the, the theory was that there was there were bullets coming from two directions at least, and that was called the magic bullet that couldn't come from just one gun. And people were starting to say and possibly implicate Johnson and the government that there was a conspiracy of killers that cooperated to kill JFK. And they wanted to invalidate that, too. So that was called a conspiracy theory and therefore nonsense. Right. And to bring this into present time with the WHO, right. um, I'll, I'll point to the evidence and, and just to give background for what we're really talking about here, there's two um, separate things that everybody's getting confused. There's discussion of a pandemic treaty, which I'm not going to talk about if we can help it, because a lot of people are talking about it, and I see it as a decoy. Okay. The other thing that is happening is they have proposed, 94 nations around the world collectively have proposed 307 amendments to what's known as the International Health Regulations. That's an existing document. It's 84 pages long. You can download it on StopTheWho.com and read it. And if you read it, what you'll see is that it doesn't talk about health at all. It's misnamed. And so it really should be called the International Surveillance um, Monitoring Reporting Emergency Declaring um, fear-mongering control regulations. Now, if it was named that, people would read it and go, oh, this is a little something to be concerned about. So the proposed amendments from uh, Bangladesh and Malaysia, when you combine the two, now I'm not saying they conspired, right? But the combination of their two proposed amendments, you have to look into the definition of the term Standing and temporary recommendations. Those are right in Article 1 of the International Health Regulations. And they currently are defined as non-binding advice. Now, I'm sure we've all given people non-binding advice and people have given you non-binding advice. It's a little bit redundant. That's what a recommendation is. Bangladesh would cross out, their proposed amendment would cross out the phrase non-binding and mm -hmm. Malaysia's um, proposed uh, amendment to Article 42 would say that standing and temporary recommendations shall be implemented as soon as possible. Even the International Health Regulations Review Committee, a panel of like 20 experts that Tedros put together to report on these amendments to Tedros, it was a confidential review committee, their report said, well, now just wait a minute. Um, that would change the entire nature of the WHO and the IHR. Currently, under Article 23 of the WHO Constitution, the WHO can make recommendations. 
right? Well, if you change the definition of what a recommendation is from being non-binding advice to being an obligatory order that you have to do as soon as possible, hey, wait a minute, the whole game just changed. And Rima, I haven't even had a chance to tell you this one, so this will be news to you. In Article 35 of the treaty, it says that everything in the treaty will apply to the entire um, World Health Organization, all member nations, as recommendations. It means as Order. absolute legally binding requirements. So, so this is the, the perfect example of jargonization. We're going to talk about recommendations. How nice. Except we're going to talk about recommendations that we have defined as legally binding requirements with God knows what kind of sanctions for any country that does not agree to this. And I would mm-hmm. like to point out, I'm sorry, Richard. Oh, I, I just in, in line with what you're saying, another technique is they put the full uh, concept of recommendations and the recommendations are binding and they have to be as soon as possible. They put those in different locations. So you have to right. look at more than one sentence in order to understand the context. Right, which is part of why uh, James called this uh, not English, but legalese. Terms because of art. Because yeah. uh-huh. terms of art. And lawyers are used to taking different pieces of uh, a contract, for instance, and, and realizing that they're really Lego blocks that make the same structure. But ordinary people don't read like that. They don't talk like that and they don't think like that. Right. So this is, this is intended as deep deception. And I must say, from my experience working with the people who are the, uh, shall we say, the diplomat class here or mm-hmm. the delegate class here. Right. They are not the brightest bulbs in the box in general. They are not the deepest thinkers. And basically, they don't care. They're doing a bureaucratically secure job in the middle levels of management in their government. And they're right. just doing what they're told. So there are very few um, real guardians of the flock shall we say, sitting at those tables. They're basically people who are just following orders. And your health and your life and your very existence depends on what the people representing these 194 nations in a desultory and uh, excessively obedient fashion are doing. Right. James, you've been watching the, um, the proceedings that are made public, which is a very small percentage of the proceedings. Would you agree with what I'm saying in that? Oh, they're, they, they speak in a language that it, it's essentially, if you just keep repeating the phrases that are acceptable, then you're part of the crowd. Okay. And they have a whole litany of words. But let me, let me turn this conversation on its head and let me come to the defense of the WHO and the international health regulations. Okay. Probably, you know, fewer than 0.00001% of people have actually read them. And if you read the current version, it, it's a paper tiger. It really doesn't have much that it mandates nations do. What it does mandate is that if a nation determines that there's some kind of an outbreak of a contagious you know, disease or uh, something like what happened in Ohio, where there could be 
a, a toxic plume that could go over the border into Canada. Um, what they could have, should have, would have done in, in Ohio is they should have said, oh, hey, WHO, we, we have a, a, a public health emergency of international concern. There's a fire in Ohio and the plume might go to Canada. We need to let everybody know. Right. Well, they didn't do that for some reason. I have my suspicions why. But the point is, they also want to change what the um, definition of an emergency is. Mm. Now, currently, there isn't really much of a definition. It's pretty much up to um, Tedros Ghebreyesus, the director general. As people might know, with Moneypox, the um, uh, emergency committee advised against declaring it to be a public health emergency of international concern, but he did it anyways. So not much limitation, but they want to change it so that he could declare an emergency if there is something that has the potential to be an emergency. So talk about circular infinite loop of, you know, word salad. And and add to that potential to be an emergency, not an emergency. For instance, chikungunya, uh, the, the, disease du jour, um, seem, the next one seems to be chikungunya. There have been two deaths in the United States total from chikungunya, and yet we're ramping up for chikungunya to be the new COVID. And what is incredibly important in the area that James is just referring to is that let's say the United States were to say, hey, we don't have a chikungunya uh, emergency. We don't have a chikungunya anything as it happens. Under the proposed amendments to the IHR, the director general or any of the regional directors, six regional directors of the uh, WHO could say, yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you have a chikungunya public health emergency of international concern or regional concern. And so we're going to bring down all of these regulations, requirements, quote, recommendations, which are, in fact, mandatory and force you to do enough things to totally destroy your society because we said so. James, would you agree with that characterization? Given, you know, the if these are allowed to go through, which, you know, I'm not going to speak that into existence. I'm saying, oh, heck no, this is not happening. Right. But we've only talked, I think, so far about three of the 307 proposed amendments. We're obviously not going to get through all 307. The most egregious one came from India, where when I first read the International Health Regulations about a year ago, I went through all the definitions in Article 1. I went through the scope, which was, well, you know, if there's an emergency, you you tell the WHO. Okay, fine. The principles are in Article 3. And the core principle of the international health regulations is that they shall be implemented with the full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. When I read the amendments back in December, And India would just cross that out. They would just cross out with full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. I I saw myself with my jaw hanging open. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I had a little bit of an out-of-body view of myself going, Jim, your mouth's hanging open. And I pushed it back up and it hung back down. I was like, did they they really put that in print? That's astonishing. Who actually did that, James? 
Yeah, I mean, we say India, but in, there's a lot of people in India. Who, who, who do you well, think? You know, um, it's there in you, you boy, you just raised a big old question. So I'll di- digress into answering that question. Um, nobody knows who their delegates are. Now, there is a list of delegates who went to the assembly last May, um, but it switches all the time. And, and so even when you're watching the video recordings or, or the live stream that they have sometimes for some of their meetings, they don't say who the person is. They'll say, you know, Canada has the floor or the United States oh. or India. And, and so it took me a week to identify um, who was speaking on my behalf for the United States. Um, her name is Mara Burr. And there's another gentleman by the name of Colin McIff, who is actually a vice chairperson of the working group, you know, the organization within the WHO that's looking over this. Mm-hmm. We've been able to find one person um, uh, who helped identify uh, a delegate from the Philippines, but it's a mystery. And so, you know, who, um, you know, it becomes an Abbott and Costello routine. Who's responsible for this? Who's behind this? Who's going to benefit from this? You know, in the Abbott and Costello routine of who's on first, the joke right. is one person's asking a question and the other person is making a declar- declarative you know, statement because the baseball player's name was who. And so right. it's the same thing here. You know, the who would benefit from this. But what's really happening is and, and I'm going to I'm going to if you will indulge me, give me a couple of minutes to just go through the history of this. When COVID started, the Trump administration, you know, probably rightfully so, said, what the heck is going on in China? Now, maybe that was a diversion. There's all kinds of information around it. But the political theater was, oh, the WHO shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, busted into China and gone to the lab and gotten all the evidence and done an investigation. But the international health regulations don't give the authority currently to the WHO to do that. If they did, they should probably show up at Fort Detrick. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the Republicans who were at the time in the minority put forth a minority report, which I published last May, and they were calling for the United States to amend the international health regulations to give that kind of authority to the WHO so that the United States could use the WHO to beat up on China. Well, that got kicked to the curb last May. And all of the other nations, I think, saw that the United States was trying to use the WHO to do their bidding. And now that's what all of these amendments are all about. The European Union wants the WHO to institute, and I think this is the biggest problem, a global digital health certificate. The Mm -hmm. African nations want the WHO to set up a multi-tens of billions dollar fund, and they, they also put in Annex 10, which would have developed nations build state of the art infrastructure in developing nations. And so that's just the transfer of wealth and investment. They refer to the need for equity. Well, they might be talking about fairness and equality, but they're really talking about the other meaning of the word equity, which is money. They, They want money and investment to come to their nations. I don't blame them. Okay. But what they really want is a big build out 
of the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex to make more drugs and more jabs to kill more people. Because, you know, when it was all made in Europe and the Americas, the Europe and Americas and Israel and Australia and a handful of other nations um, killed 16 to 30 times as many people with their pharmaceutical solutions, Africa came out really pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, to look at it and say, well, wait a minute, we need to build out what really didn't work. Um, well, wait a minute. Rima will tell you how that actually really did work because the plan is not to improve people's health. The plan is genocide. And so they're trying to take the genocidal practices that worked to a certain degree in Europe and the Americas and elsewhere and implement them in Africa because, you know, their plan didn't kill enough people in Africa. I I, want to just insert one thing before you talk, Dr. Lebo, and that's um, we have to make sure not to overlook the point that this is not about whether something is a big enough emergency or a real emergency. Because in, in a country based on individual freedom, like theoretically in the U.S., it says in the documentation that all of the rights of humans come from God, not government. Even if you don't believe in God, it means you have the rights and the government cannot take them away. And so it's a lot of people get diverted and thinking, well, the problem is they're declaring emergencies on basis of potential, and even that is made up, and that's true. But even if it were a real emergency, in reality, all government can do with a real emergency is make a, a true recommendation that's voluntary, and it cannot force you to give up inherent rights. And that's why that cro- crossing out of that line by the people in India was most significant, because that was affirming that there's no such thing as inherent inalienable rights. In the Indian documentation, there may not be, but in the United States, there most certainly is. And so that brings us to the very interesting question of, well, how come 194 countries, which is pretty much 100% of the countries that exist, how come 194 countries are buying into this. Denmark as much as Malaysia, Uruguay as much as the United States. Huh? How come that's going on? And how come um, the people who stand to profit from an infrastructure build out of the kind that we're talking about that will kill a great many people are demanding the equity of let's, let's, bring those factories here let's bring that medical um uh, poison here how come how come that's happening I and think that, I, that's partly a language issue too because those countries 194 countries those countries are not the psychopaths that rule them those countries are the people and correct. the natural resources in the environment of that country and those countries are not supporting anything the world health organization is doing Who's supporting that is the individual criminals who have taken over each country. Precisely. Precisely. We're talking about uh, people who have, for whatever reason, chosen to move away from their alignment with real values and invest their 
personal activities and their careers or thoughts or, or, uh, imagined well-being in things that will bring in conceivable levels of harm and destruction to people who live in their own countries and people who live elsewhere. And that, that level of deep corruption and distortion is so, so complete that mm-hmm. at least in my, my view, the organizations which have captured those people and their activities and their participation cannot be repaired. They simply have to be left behind. And each country with, with the people, the, the freedom loving people that you're talking about needs to create the absolute demand the enormous demand of their gatekeepers, their politicians, to get them out from under the uh, collective delusion, evil, distortion, call it what you want, hypnosis, I don't care what you call it, but what those organizations are planning to do is so destructive that the only solution is for people who wish to survive and have a future as human beings to compel their countries, their national organizations, known as countries, to leave the organizations. I see no intermediary solution. Well, maybe we could make the amendments a little bit bitter, better. Maybe we could have a, a treaty that's not so bad. No, no. This is uh, simply an unworkable strategy from a political, economic, social, and survival point of view. Right. And, and it's based on, based on the assumption that if there's an emergency, they can take away your freedom. No, based on the assumption that there or the knowledge that there will be an mm. emergency and they will take away your freedom if we allow these uh, procedures to be enacted. Right. If, if I could give a visual, um, you know, imagine yourself um, coming upon a fork in the road. Right. And, you know, it's a mental thought idea. Um, on one side, you go, oh, these people are trying to implement changes to help save lives and keep people healthy. Okay. If you go down that fork, you find all kinds of stuff that just doesn't seem to make any sense. Right. Why are they doing this PCR thing? That's not a test. Why, why is nobody um, looking at the jab and, and saying, well, it didn't really work. It actually caused more problems. You know, people are dying and suffering. Um, lockdowns and you know i still haven't figured out curfews you know uh, covid doesn't come out during the day it's only at night um or whatever it may be um all of the many things that happened over the past three years if you observe all of these documents and all of the meetings and all of the conversations on that fork where oh we're trying to make people healthier nothing seems to make any sense if you take the other fork and you go oh, wait a minute, these aren't international health regulations. These are international surveillance control um, monitoring, you know, fear-mongering um, regulations. And the goal down that fork is what Rima said earlier, a, a few leaders, you know, some of their servants and everybody else needs to, you know, be cattle or be called. Then you look at what they're doing and you go, oh, this makes complete sense if you're a psychopath. All of the things that they're doing, it's not just what's in the documents. It's what's not being discussed. They're not talking about, well, 
you know, a lot of doctors did early treatment and they did different types of things. You know, Dr. Chetty, Dr. Rapidi in South Africa and other doctors, the FLCCC and, you know, many doctors save tens of thousands. Why aren't they talking about that? That doesn't make any sense because you're on the different fork, you know, to reasonable land, right? They're on the, they're on the fork in the road that heads to genocide. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that that's where they're headed, it all makes sense. Now, speaking of that fork, in 2004, when I closed my practice and mm-hmm. with my husband, and we started talking about precisely what we're talking about today, almost 20 years later, using the word genocide labeled me a lunatic. Now what's happened is we've come far enough and there's enough public awareness that Using the word genocide points to the fact that they are lunatics. The genocidalists are lunatics. And we can now, in increasing numbers, with increasing clarity, see what James has just um, given us a, uh, a thought pattern for, the fork in the road where nothing makes sense, eh? which is where we've been. To the fork in the road where it all makes sense because we understand their underlying agenda and pattern, which, by the way, was articulated before the turn of the 20th century by John D. Rockefeller and um, the other early genocidalists who called themselves eugenicists. Same-o, same-o, same crap, different bottles, same crap. And now that we're beginning to see this more and more clearly, because we have the truth emerging through people like James and through people like you, Richard, and I hope to the extent that that I'm contributing through people like me and more and more others, now we can take effective action. Now that we can see which fork is where rational behavior lies. It is no longer the province of outlier lunatics to talk about the fact that there is an explicit genocidal agenda involving things like WHO and the mRNA technology designed specifically to kill us and change our genes if we indeed survive, etc. So the question becomes, what do I do? What do I do? And the deeper you want to dig, the more toxic the the sublevels of reality become, and the stronger the the um, reality of what we're saying becomes. So the question is not give me more details, give me more details. They're available in many places. The question is what are you going to do? To preserve your life, your family, your society, your country, your DNA, your future as a human being. What are you specifically going to do? And I'll give you a hint. Closing your eyes and saying it's all too much for me is the wrong answer. Because it's not all too much Mm -hmm. for you. You have the ability to change what happens. You, just like James does just like I do, just like Richard does. It is literally in the hands of the people. This is an extraordinary moment in history. And what are we fighting for? What is it that we lose if we lose this battle, if we were to allow ourselves to lose this battle, which we're not going to? 
James, what do we lose? Oh, just your freedom and your life, probably. Um, I want to ask you to um, continue talking about what you were earlier. Um, Way back in March of last year, um, before I knew about anything to do with the amendments, um, I did a deep dive into the thing that we're not talking about so much, which was the treaty. And on March 24th last year, um, I published a big old article about the pandemic treaty. And then the next day, because I was raised, it's one thing to criticize and, and complain about something, but you, you should also offer a solution. And so the next day, I published the People's Treaty dot com, and it's just a collection of what our unalienable, non derogable rights are. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. Um, emergency or not. Okay, that um, phrase um, um, that comes from Roman times of when there was an emergency and they would choose somebody to take the position, take the lead, bark orders, right? Essentially um, dictate what other people should do. I've been in situations where, you know, things needed to be done and and somebody had to manage the project. And you're like, okay, you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this. But if somebody says, well, wait a minute, no, I'm not comfortable doing that, that their right to refuse that dictate is unalienable. And that's, you know, I'd love for you to speak more on it because I believe we're absolutely not just on the same page, but in the same paragraph, in the same sentence, and two words might be right next to each other. People have forgotten who they are what their birthright is, what their contract with the universe is as a living being, you know, a spirit embodied in, in, in a body, mm-hmm. um, you have rights that you can be tricked into giving them away. But even if you did, you go, oh, no, wait a minute, you tricked me. I'm taking them back. Right. No, I think it's absolutely essential, James, and I agree with you. And um one thing to remember about the American founding documents that didn't give rights, but, uh, you know, recognize them and acknowledge them. Those rights were not just for Americans. Those were for everybody. Uh-huh. And basically it was saying that government is only uh, reasonable or tolerable if it serves the needs of the people and not the collective that's very important to distinguish between the collective, which is used as an excuse for tyranny every time. Uh And it's the reason that socialism precedes fascism, but it has to be recognizing the rights of the individual, the sole objector to the, to the whole agenda. So if you're a minority of one, they can't take that away from you. You have the right to do that. You can't take away other people's rights. You can't, steal from them or kill them or, you know, do violence to them or, you know, deception and things like that. But you can live your own life and nobody, including government, has the right to uh, trample on on your freedom. And that's worldwide. And I think that's one reason that the United States is in the middle of a planned destruction right now at the hands of the world leaders, because there's at least a memory of individual freedom. And that's not documented in very many countries at this point. But we have the challenge, and it leads to what Rima was saying about what the solution is, that we have to recognize this 
agenda of using terms of art in order for enslavement and genocide is not invented by WHO. It's not even invented by the United Nations. It's used in almost every criminal government around the world, including the U.S. And we have an amazing situation where so-called representatives of both so-called political parties, which are actually unified, we have a situation where they vote to accept bills and turn them into laws when they don't read them. And if even if they did read them the way they're written, they wouldn't be understood by most people. Thousands and thousands of pages of bills are being turned into law, and none of the so-called representatives have read them. And this should be enough to, you know, at least kick them out of office, if not put them in prison right away. Even if they only got to one bill a year, they could only vote on that if they all read and understood it. And we could talk a lot more about this whole thing, but the basic idea is there's no emergency, real or not. Even if there's a pandemic that's real with a death rate of 99%, the government still can't tell you to hide in your house if you don't want to. Correct. Or shut down nor your can business. They tell you, nor can they tell you that you are compelled to uh, to incorporate anything into your body that you do not wish, nor exactly. nor can they legitimately spray anything over your head, forcing well, I, you I, to... I, I just uh, heard that chemtrails thought be the second before you said it. <laughs> it's exactly okay. right. Well, we, we are frequently on this very same page. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the uh, the delights of talking to one another, that we don't have to actually finish work. Isn't it amazing that people can walk all over the place and nobody notices that it's a clear day except you can't see the sky and it, everybody considers it as just normal? Isn't it amazing that old uh, films are being remastered yeah. to include stripes of white across blue skies to make that look normal. Classic um, literature is being rewritten by publishers now to become politically acceptable as well. Exactly. And these are the classic and uh, long-anticipated ordinary steps of the march toward tyranny there is no and i've been inveighing against political correctness for decades saying no i will not be politically correct i will be accurate from my point of view and you don't have to like it at all but i will but dr rima the greater good the greater good the greater good you can't have freedom it's too dangerous yes you can't have freedom um when i was a medical student uh maybe 1968 something like that, Uh, I was called into the office of the dean of the medical school one day. And uh, generally, when that happened, that was not a happy event for me, because I was usually making some kind of foment or trouble or something. Mm. And um, Dean called me in and he said, I have a favor to ask of you, Miss Labo. And I said, you have a favor to what? He said, well, we have two very famous um, uh, Czech psychiatrists, a, a married couple who are both very famous internationally recognized psychiatrists, and they have just fled um, the Czech Republic, or they have just fed, fled Czechoslovakia um, because of the political um, revolt. And they have two daughters, one of whom was a medical student there, and I would like you 
to befriend her and show her around and introduce her to the United States and, and so on. And she probably will apply for medical school here next year. And I said, okay. So I met the, this lovely family and became very close with them. The, the medical student was named Katya and we, we really became very good friends. And she had been the girlfriend of the student leader of what became the Czech Revolution. He had asked in university to read the foundational documents of communism. He wanted himself and the other uh, university students to be able to read Marx and Mm -hmm. Engels and the other foundational manifestos and documents upon which communism, classical communism was founded. Right. And they were told that it was too dangerous to allow the people, even the intelligentsia, to read the foundational documents of their system of government. So they poured out into the streets and they, they carried on and they had a riot and uh, other people joined them. And then the tanks came in and we know the rest of the history. The, the request was... Let me read the reality upon which you base my life. Right. And the government said, too dangerous. And they were willing to kill these young people and the older people who joined them in order to protect the secrecy of what the hell they were doing. That's how tyranny marches. And when we have political correctness and when we have information that we're not allowed to think and the children's books are altered and the the drawings are altered and the, the correctness is imposed upon us from above or outside, we are saying, yes, please, thank you. Turn me into a slave with the chains locked inside my brain. And anyone who does that is an idiot. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. Other than that, I have no opinion. I wish you would start saying what you actually think and not being. No, I'm, I'm, I'm too you. shy. James will tell you that I, I, I have a great deal of trouble expressing myself. I know. But the she's, other thing oh, she's that very I, fluent, very fluent in French, very fluent. I would like to see an invention come up or the technology or the consciousness to start changing people from uh, obedient slaves that you were saying, you know, are, are lost causes, which in many cases is true, into whistleblowers and people who wake up from the trance. We have that mechanism. It's called outrage. Yeah, I have often good. said, you've, you've heard me say this many times, Richard. You've heard me say it, James. My favorite law firm, internationally operating, is hubbub and uproar. When people become outraged when they say you did what you want to do what you want to take control of what you you want to what do you want to do to my dna and my child when they say that then they can become free but the first three words are don't you dare and once people have that that strength within themselves to say no i will not permit that whatever that is, then they can become active in securing their own freedom. Right. And you and James have an idea how this can be applied to the current. We don't have an idea. We know how. Sorry about that. I'm not going to be polite. I'm not going to be politically correct. There is only one way as far as I can see. 
Okay. It's what I didn't mean. It's an idea that may or may not happen. I meant it's an idea that you're demonstrating the truth of. And so if you instruct people how to do that, most of them are sitting around thinking, oh, this is all terrible, but I'm only one person out of 8 billion and I can do nothing. You are one person. You are that one person. And let me, let me hop in here and say something that I believe down to the tips of my little toes. And that is the people around you, whether they're your relatives or your friends or your coworkers or your neighbors or your social media um, contacts and connections, those people trust you more than they trust James, more than they trust Richard, more than they trust me, more than they trust anybody else who's kind of out there. They know you and they trust you. And if you say, go to this link, take this action, read this material, this is important. Watch this video. They will pay attention to you because you are already inside their circle of trust and confidence. You can take the material that we're giving you and say, oh, this is something that James Roguski or Richard Sachs or uh, Dr. Rima has brought to my attention. But it's your validity that matters to the people in your circle of influence. Therefore, you are responsible for being the pebble at the center of an immense ripple. Right. Plus, you're giving them a way to do it really easily with almost no effort. I call it riding your freedom mouse. I'd like to give a visual um, on it. I live in Southern California, and for the last many, many years, oh, we've been living in a drought. And, you know, we have, it's a desert area, but over the last year or so, we've had, you know, wondrous amounts of rain and snow in the mountains to the point where, you know, people are digging out, their cars are buried, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight feet of snow. Um, The reservoirs, I'm sure people had seen, you know, nearly bone dry. They're filling up, they're spilling over, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you looked at that change in just a year, And if you imagine yourself as a droplet in a cloud Mm. over California going, oh, I'm just a droplet, what does it matter? Okay. Well, if every single one of the droplets in that cloud thought the same way and none of them fell into, you know, the rain or snow that fell down on California would still be in a drought. And so the metaphor of the truth that is just flooding the world right now. Be a droplet of your truth. Be a snowflake falling down from the sky. Not that kind of snowflake. Be, you know, be some precipitation of truth. The dams now are hailstone. Be a nice big fat <laughs> baseball soft, you know, that's Rima's a big old softball hailstone. Um, bring your truth, right? One of the things that I've encouraged people to do is Take out your phone, take out the camera that you have on your computer, and just say whatever it is you want to say. Back in September, we got hundreds of people to do exactly that, and all of their videos are on screwthewho.com. And I was just so pleasantly impressed by regular people around the world taking out their camera and just speaking their mind. Because the WHO doesn't want to hear what you have to say. They don't want us talking about this. They don't want the truth to be told. And so if you're silent, you're giving your consent. Let me tell you how. Stop being silent. 
Let me tell you how important dissent is. I didn't mean to interrupt you, James. I'm I'm agreeing with everything that you're saying. The World Holocaust Organization, the WHO, has declared that among the top 10 health threats to the entire planet, number one is anti-vaxxers. Number one is people who are telling the truth about kill shots. Number one, I mean, that's above chikungunya. That's above, uh, oh, I don't know, COVID. That's above toxic uh, substances in the environment. Number one is anti-narrative truth persons. Mm. And if that doesn't convince you that we are powerful, nothing ever will. So having said that, and by the way, when I watched the videos that people um, uh, responded to James's call for uh, personal opinion on WHO and so on with, I was astounded by the wisdom, the depth, the insight that people were showing. I mean, some people just said, oh, that's got to be bad. I don't want it. But a lot of people had really insightful, deep thoughts about it. It was, I learned a lot from just watching these. Now, having said that, the next thing to do is to compel the only people in our societies who can be forced to save us from this disaster that's being engineered for us, and that is our politicians, to force them to do our will. How do you do that? Because they're corrupt and they're uh, focused on their own uh, perceived self-interest and their masters and, and it's all theater. How do you do that? The answer is you do it with numbers. This is a numbers game. They've got the dollars. We've got the people. When And I have had this personal experience of marshalling this force and seeing the result when millions of raindrops, millions of freedom mouse riding raindrops, that's you, take action and communicate with their politicians, the gatekeepers who have to do the necessary steps to get your country out of WHO and the United Nations. And we've made that available to you at PreventGenocide2030.org. When millions of people take those actions, politicians go, whoa, I better respond because otherwise my cushy career ends. And they do what we tell them to. Yeah, the globalists come back around, but we're smarter, we're better prepared, and we're more able to take the step the next time. This works. It, I, I'm not going to repeat the history. I've shared it with, with Richard many times. I've shared it with James. This works. And nothing else will. Literally, nothing else will. And if you don't take action and your world is destroyed, you're responsible. You don't want to be responsible for that. You want to be responsible for the victory. I know I do. Don't you, James? Don't you, Richard? Can, can you go into detail of what happens when they go to that website? You go to the website, and there's a big button, and it says, take action. And you have a choice, because you always have a choice. You can either dive around in the site and read the documents, look at the videos, look at the foundational documents, look at the analysis uh, of the, the amendments, and look at the uh, international health regulations, and and 
follow the links to things like the um, the declaration that the G20 leaders signed in Bali on November 21st saying, yes, this is how we're going to take over the world in great detail. And to do it, we're going to support the amendments that are being presented to the international health regulations. You can you can read that. And you should. Or you can just go to the action page. If you live in the United States, take each of the U.S. actions. You click on the action. You fill in your information. You click the word send. It's not hard. If you live in Canada, you go to the Canadian actions. If you live in Australia, you go. We do have the Australian action up, do we not? We do. Um, We can go to Australia exits the WHO dot com. Australia exits. The, I'll put that in in here. Australia, Australia, Australia exits the WHO.com. That's another place where you can take action. And taking action means sending an email to the gatekeepers, to your members of parliament or the Senate, and saying, no, get me out of these international organizations or in case of the vaccine passport, the digital ID, the total surveillance, the Chinese um, social credit score system that these people want to impose on us in the United States and in Canada, that's a state or a provincial matter. And so we have action items there where you can tell your governor and your state legislators, no, this is not acceptable to me. And Remember, in the United States, the federal government has no control over health and over identification issues. That's a state matter. So it, you, you might spend as much as, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes saving your society, your planet, your health, yourself, and the future of humanity. I know it's a lot to ask. Do it. And then when you've done it, do it again after you've shared the links to encourage other people to do it. What else will work? Basically, from my strategic analysis, nothing. I see no other effective way of protecting us from these monsters except leaving their organizations behind. If you're um, pro-enslavement, okay, then do nothing because it's coming, okay? Mm -hmm. And, and so I've focused my attention on the WHO, even though there's a million other things going on in the world that, you know, there's a lot of big problems going on. Um, I've put together um, rejectdigitalenslavement.com. But if you're pro-digitalenslavement.com, then don't go there. Okay? And I'm so serious about this. Don't be afraid of what I'm about to do. But I give my phone number to everybody on every interview that I do. So everybody can call me at 310-619-3055. I'm that serious about this because everybody should have questions. Everybody should you know, want to know what in the heck is going on that they're trying to keep secret. But the easiest thing for anybody to do is to take the link to this video and don't censor it. If you, if you get the link to this video, if you're watching this video, and you don't share it with absolutely everybody you could possibly imagine sharing it with, right. effectively, you're censoring this message. Tell so me, don't are be you a censoring censor. it? You're supporting 
enslavement. I want to I want to say James is braver than I am. He's also absolutely adorable. And he gives out his phone number. He's so much braver. I give out my email because I find that that I simply cannot get anything accomplished if everybody is calling me and I don't know how you do it James lord love you so i'm going to put my um my email in the notes it's dr.rima r i m a at natural solutions foundation dr.rima at natural solutions foundation Dot com and you can call James or you can email me and you can go to the websites that we've given you these are deeply researched accurate resources there damn well is a conspiracy and it's a conspiracy to enslave and kill you what we're doing is elaborating the reality so that you have the choice of whether you wish to go along with the program I can't imagine why anybody would, but you have the choice or you're going to stop them by saying, don't you dare. And that's what we're giving you the option to do. Is there any uh, contact information for any bureaucracy that is part of the WHO at all? Do they have a, an email or a phone number that could be overwhelmed along with the other stuff? The, the WHO does a very good job of blocking everything. But um, if you go on exitthewho.com and rejectdigitalenslavement.com, um, you'll find plenty of people that you can reach out and um, congratulate if they're on the right side and, and say thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, but if they're not on the right side, um, give them a piece of your mind. And so um, all of those things, I think, are all incorporated into Prevent Genocide 2030 and the other sites that we've given. Um, it really, though, starts in your heart. And, you know, the, the things that you said earlier that I'm sure we agree with, if an individual person is clearly aware of who and what they are and what their birthright and what their unalienable rights are and what their responsibilities are to defend those rights against people who would try to oppress them, it starts inside everybody's heart. And, and once you understand who and what you are and what your purpose is, um, you'll know what to do. You have to follow what it is in your heart. We try to make it easy for people who are trying to figure out the details, but it all starts inside each person. And, and you know, um, follow your heart, do what you're passionate about. Um, if you just sit there, you're going to get whatever they've got planned for you. Uh, I would suggest you have a better plan. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so if we want to bring this down to the final clear point out of all the discussion that people should remember i think both of you just summarized it but if we want to go over it again and make it even more concise uh what to remember and and what to do this is a time for action the time for inaction and pondering has passed we have gone we have walked through or been forced through the gate where inaction Silence is consent to our own enslavement and death. The plan is to make us all part of the Internet of Bodies, compressed into transit villages, living on what we are given to live, thinking what we are told to think, going only where we are permitted to go, in a situation where 
our inalienable rights no longer exist. It is a well-articulated, well, uh, well thought through plan, 15 minute cities, agenda 2030, 500 new vaccines and every other vaccine that exists forced into our bodies to, uh, uh, control and change our very essence. That's what's planned for us. And you either agree to that by your silence or you act against it by your, uh, protest through as many means as you like and through demanding in our millions and our tens of millions and our hundreds of millions of our politicians that they exit our countries and return us to sovereign states and sovereign individuals. PreventGenocide2030.org is a central point where you can do that. Um, ExitTheWho.com is another central point. There's a wealth of information on both of those places, and it's time to act. We have reached the point of no return, and you make your choice, but you're making your choice for all of humanity when you make the choice of silence. Does the action item that you're talking about include getting out of the U.N.? Yeah, uh, no. It's focused primarily on WHO. The next step is getting out of the UN. The WHO is a subsidiary organization, a separate organization, but works under the um, control, if you will, of the United Nations. They are linked right now uh, getting Congress. There is a bill before the United States House of Representatives, H.R. 79, which has currently how many sponsors, James? Uh, you know, I think it's 18 at the moment. 18 um, sponsors, which is not enough to pass it. But uh, there's an action item on uh, PreventGenocide2030.org urging all of your members of the House of Representatives to support that bill and pass it and uh, asking members of the Senate to uh, introduce mirroring legislation. Uh, this is... Um, this is something we need to do. Other countries need to do the same. The United Nations comes next. But the most imminent threat, the juggernaut coming over the hill to kill us right, right now is WHO. I want to, I want to say one other quick thing, if I may. There are a lot of other issues, subsidiary issues, each one of which is really important. And like James, I am focusing on the root cause. That's how I practice medicine. I focus on finding the root cause and fixing that, and then we can take care of the subsidiary others. The root cause right now is membership in these organizations from right. my strategic analysis. Right, right. And what's before we go to James, just one last note to include in that, Rima, which is what is the approximate timeline? Because you, you've chosen this because of the immediate threat in the short term. What, I think how, how short is that short term? Agenda 2030, which used to be Agenda 20, is already being implemented. This is already happening. When you hear about 15-minute cities, uh, when you hear about vaccine mandates, when you hear about um, uh, rewilding in order to give animals the same rights as human beings, uh, all of that 
is part of Agenda 2030. When you hear about the entire uh, climate change idiocy, that's right. all part of Agenda 2030. When you hear about the digital ID, it's all happening now. It hasn't reached its full culminated apotheosis. We're coming up to that. So very quickly. But I mean specifically to the timeline on the attack via the IHR. Oh, well, James James is very, very much uh, aware of all the ambiguities that would have to be invoked to answer that. Go ahead. Um, the World Health Assembly is sort of like a Congress. You know, it's when all of the 194 member nations um, send their delegates to Geneva is mm-hmm. scheduled for May 21st to the 30th. Now, the WHO consistently has said, oh, we're just talking about all these changes. We're shooting for 2024. But the Indonesian health minister back in November very clearly stated that Indonesia would like to see these global digital health certificate you know, surveillance systems put in this um, May. So it's a, it's a bit nebulous. We've been talking about this, you know, in detail for a year. Uh, the time to get started in pushing back on this was quite some time ago. So if you're just learning about it now, now is as good a time as any. Tomorrow is a day later than you could have started. And so to summarize my view of the whole thing, I'm 62, going to be 63 in April. I plan on living a long life. And I don't want to live in a world where there's centralized control over my life. I want absolutely decentralized control where individual people make their own decisions and they are free to live their life. You know, so long as you don't step on other people's rights, you do what's right for you. We've got billions of people on the planet. We've lived for, you know, whether you're a, a, a Bible uh, belief is, you know, thousands of years or millions of years or billions of years, whatever, whatever it is you believe, you know, we've done pretty okay without a global digital health certificate to save us from the horrors of whatever the heck is out there. We've mm-hmm. done pretty okay without, you know, an internet of bodies, you know, so that it, we're not allowed to do this, that, and the other because some central authorities said so. We're responsible to ourselves and, and whatever belief we have in, in where we come from, ultimately in the spirit world. We don't need what they're proposing. They want what they're proposing because they think they have a right to be our masters. So if you want to be somebody's slave, sit back and just let it happen. If you want everyone to have the freedoms that you want to have for yourself, you better get moving. Right. Now, what about the support of the work that you're each doing? Are you looking for financial support or, or just action or both? You know, Let's everybody, start with action. Everybody, Let's start does, with action. everybody does what's in their heart. Um, <clears throat> me personally, okay, um, I work with the willing, right? You know, I, I put the message out to everybody. I do not try to convince anybody of everything. I go, look, here's the evidence, right? Look at right. it for yourself. If you want to help, give me a phone call and, and whatever it is people are able and willing to do, um, mm-hmm. you know, let's get moving because time's a waste. Okay. Um, I, I have a 
slightly different answer. First of all, I endorse everything that James just said, with the exception of phone call. You can email me. Please don't call me because um, I can't get anything done, I, as I said. Um, but I work with the willing uh, and I work with the timid as well who say, well, I, I don't think I can do anything. No, you can. But if you if it is in your heart to contribute, we have expenses. The Natural Solutions Foundation has expenses. We have to pay for internet and for uh, uh, programs that allow us to to carry out these actions and so on. Um, recently, a lady called me up. She did call me. We had a lovely, lovely chat. And then she said, I'm going to make a donation to you. I said, thank you so much. But I wasn't asking her for a donation. It didn't even occur to me. It was in her heart. And she made um, a lovely, generous donation that, that helps us, you know, pay the next round of bills. Yes, it's important to do that. But if you have a choice between taking action or making a donation, I want your action. Right. Help get us out mm-hmm. of this destructive slavery that is about to come upon us and literally end the future of humanity as we have known it all these aeons. How often do you want people to take action on that site? Once or what? Like voting in Chicago early and often. <clears throat> right, right, okay. <laughs> so they don't they don't disregard your email because you've written before? No, certainly not. Oh, email. Uh, if you sign up, if you go to Prevent Genocide 2030 or our news aggregation site, opensourcetruth.com, or our Telegram chats, open source truth, uh, open source truth or Prevent Genocide 2030, you'll find a place where you can sign up for our newsletter. Do that. We send out important, urgent information. We send out uh, notifications of uh, our guests for our weekly podcast called Dr. Rima Truth Reports, and our guest for the next Dr. Rima Truth Report will be someone of whom you've never heard, whom you've never encountered, but it's a surprise guest. I'll give you a hint. His name is James Roguski, and he might have something to say that you want to hear. Now, our, we're, we're very pleased that James is going to be our guest this coming Tuesday. Uh, and so these are important resources, these are things that you need to know about and you need to share. If you have a choice between spending the time to take action or spending the time to make a donation, take the action, come back next week and make the donation and take the action again. What's the uh, best website for your work, Dr. Rima? For my work? Um, mm. Let's start with preventgenocide2030.org. Okay. Um, James and I and a number of wonderful people meet six days a week uh, to to bring the action and information forward there. Um, my news aggregation site is called opensourcetruth.com. Um, James has a substack, which you really should subscribe to um, and make it a paid subscription. He doesn't require it, but, you know, couldn't hurt. Um, jamesroguski.substack.com. Did I get that right, James? The, the only hard part is uh, spelling my name. So it's J-A-M-E-S-R-O-G-U-S-K-I dot substack dot com. Okay. Sounds great, you guys. Um, sounds like your podcast on Tuesday is going to be incredible, too, and we urge everybody to be there. <laughs>
and hopefully we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Richard. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. Okay, you guys, that was James and Rima, and I hope you got a lot out of it. They're doing important work, and uh, you heard all the websites at the end. I think they're all worth looking at, especially preventgenocide2030.org, and I'm going to go there, too. And it's a good reminder to do it periodically and often. And uh, Rima didn't want to talk about it this time, but they have a history of actually demonstrating that that would work which changes it into a much more serious category. And they were actually able to stop mandatory vaccination in the uh, 2009 uh, fake swine flu pandemic, which was also declared by WHO, if I remember correctly, as a level, maybe a level six at that time. I don't know. I think it was a different system. And uh, so the system really does work. And, and I don't know if you understand, but Rima's got this software that Natural Solutions used in 2009 or maybe a better version. And it means with very little time and input on your part, your comment reaches all kinds of different representatives at once. And uh, they were able to generate millions and millions of those in 2009. And you you might not tend to believe it, you know, because why would uh, so-called fake representatives... Uh, care about your emails and they don't if it's a few hundred but if it's a few million they apparently really do and they get worried that they might not be in office again now soon if we don't do anything that might be overtaken by the fact that they can just falsify everybody's election and anybody who is acceptable to the deep state is elected as we saw in the case of biden and many other people uh, that were elected without having to campaign. But we're not quite at that point yet. So at this point, it appears that the re- the so-called representatives still care about getting millions of emails telling them not to or to go ahead with some issue. They don't read the bills they, vo- they vote on, but they, they have their staff read and count the emails. So that's preventgenocide2030.org. And I'm going to do that with you, too, and I'll try to remember to do it uh, periodically whenever there's a moment that we can use for it. I wanted to, before we close up, I wanted to read something that James had apparently posted on his, I think it came from his Substack. Uh, it says, it is every person's responsibility to question their most cherished beliefs, challenge claims of authority, and disobey unjust laws. That is how we grow while remaining free and maintaining our integrity. And it's really important. That's the basis of uh, increasing consciousness, spiritual quest, and and real science, is that you don't just find something to grab onto like vaccines uh, save the world from polio, which they make you memorize in medical school and public health school and other places like that. It becomes a new religion. And... What I mean by that is you just believe it because you just because you believe it and, and because it has to be true, and you don't want to hear anything to the contrary. And many discussions are ended by the fact that the whoever is supposed to be having an open discussion says, this is my point of view, and therefore I define anything against it as false, and everything that supports it as true. Um, I've had several discussions this week that were just 
kind of shut down in where they could go because there wasn't this openness to questioning everything. There's some kind of a fear that if you question something that seems obviously true, you're going to make it false. And that doesn't happen. If it's true, you're just going to see it's true. And uh, as James was pointing out, growth of consciousness and awareness and, you know, not just believing, well, it's a conspiracy theory, so I can't think about it. You have to break out of the hypnosis and the trance. And I think that's really the question for all of us, for humanity right now. Um, Are we going to maintain our life, you know, going on as it's been, just with a memorized set of beliefs that even if we see them killing people, we're just going to believe it and give it excuses for being okay. You know, like the vaccine mandates and all the representatives in many countries' governments, certainly here in the U.S., saying, well, you know, CDC said it. So therefore, it's true, right? And I learned the same thing in school. Uh, in PhD school, one of the things we learned which is an incredible overthrow of common sense and logical thought, is that it comes out of respected journals, and it's what they call peer-reviewed. And I mean, like, forget it. If it's peer-reviewed, it's got to be true, right? And the peer-review is actually a censorship mechanism. But if it comes out of peer-reviewed journals, or if it comes out of the CDC or the WHO or anything, then it, it's just defined as true. And social media companies and big tech use the same excuse that on one of the platforms where we will not be posting this interview, they say, well, anything that disagrees with WHO is, I mean, it's obviously false. So you're bad. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're probably a terrorist, right? Because you're having unauthorized thought. And there's a big push right now to eliminate unauthorized thought and speech. So um, the response to that is to recognize it and watch it in yourself. You know, don't assume that you're not subject to it, that you're not a victim of it. Find out where you might be and shake yourself free and get common sense back. It's more a more advanced thing than having 10 PhDs or medical degrees. You get your common sense back, then you defeat the purpose of fake education and fake media and fake entertainment, and get back in touch with who you are and where you came from. And if we get that back and change consciousness that way, the world's not going to look the same. And that's a question for us every day. We don't have to wait till we die or to the end or to 100 years from now or the end of the end times or whatever. What you do now still matters. And the quality of your day today depends on what you do more than anybody else in your life. So, to quote a, uh, I guess something that is just brushed off as being silly, you know, this is about awakening and waking yourself up. And if you are calm enough and quiet enough inside to really look at that and see where you're just following hypnotic suggestion and shake it off, you're making a big difference in the future of the world for all of us and the kids waiting to be born. And I'd encourage you to be brave. Follow that and see where it goes. It's a good place. Uh, LostArtsRadio.com is our website. We haven't been doing interviews for a while because I was almost totally taken out. And it looks like I'm going to be untaken out. Now, hopefully, I'll get the rest of the way back. 
uh, get the, my whole voice back and the rest of it. But I appreciate your watching and coming back to be an audience for us. We're going to put something on the on the platforms that are too censoring to carry this kind of thing, referring them to the other platforms that you're watching on now. And uh, we're also continuing our meetings with Planetary Healing Club. That's going to be about exactly what I've been talking about. And um, if you agree that shaking off the hypnosis and getting your freedom back and your self-awareness is critical for the future of your life in the world, that's what we're working on. You might enjoy being a part of that effort at planetaryhealingclub.com or there's a contact form where you write to us at info at lostartsradio.com. That goes to Doug and myself. And if you have questions about Planetary Healing Club and what it does and whether it's worth being a part of, just feel free to ask. And I'm not going to encourage anybody to be in there who's not willing to work on themselves. But I think that's a really important central focus of our using our time the best we can right now. The other thing is uh, get on our main, on our email list uh, so that you'll be able to be reached with announcements or things that we're going to hopefully start doing in the very near future here. Communications that are going to start going out hopefully every day if the energy permits. And you can get on that uh, free email list by going to lostartsradio.com and then I think it's on the right side maybe pretty far down, some kind of a green button. I haven't looked recently, but Doug just reminded me. <clears throat> and you just give us your email address, and we'll, we won't lose touch with you that way. And you can get off at any time you want if you get tired of it. So anyway, thanks for caring about the future of humanity. That's the point of these shows. And follow the work of James and Dr. Rima, and uh, use your time well, shake off the hypnosis, and we'll see you here next time. Have a good rest of the day. I watched you walk in, but you're not the life of the party. I'll bet you leave early. You don't take the lead, you always take the back seat. You're always on the offbeat Well, I dare you to get out there And lay it on the line From zero to hero Now's your time to shine Cause I believe in you I will see Flatline